that Christ died for us, that we might live. Because we have faith in Christ, we dare to approach God with the truth of our lives. Let us therefore go before the throne of grace, together in faith and confidence, confess our sins against God and our neighbors. Let us pray. Merciful God, you pardon all who truly repent and turn to you. We humbly confess our sins and ask your mercy. We have not loved you with a pure heart, nor have we loved our neighbor as ourselves. We have not done justice, loved kindness, or walked humbly with you, our God. Have mercy on us, O God, in your loving kindness. In your great compassion, cleanse us from our sin. Create in us a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within us. Do not cast us from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from us. Restore to us the joy of your salvation and sustain us with your bountiful spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. God knows our soul's longings and with the tenderest love, pours out mercy, compassion, and forgiveness on us. Through Christ, we are given new and abundant lives. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Now, with believers down through the ages, let us state what we believe using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now we invite you in the love of Christ to turn and greet your neighbors.
Good morning. We welcome you today on this, the holiest day of the year. <laughs> A little round of applause for all those fathers out there. Okay, yeah, yeah. We are grateful that you can be here and worship as we come together to be a part of the great family of faith. We encourage you to fill out the friendship pads which are in the pew and pass those along to your neighbor and that way you'll know folks who are sitting near you. We uh, want to just call to your attention a couple of things today. First of all, to celebrate Father's Day, we are making available for you the opportunity to come alongside of fathers who are in need of some support and assistance as they take care of their children, uh, specifically migrant fathers who are a part of the Good Samaritan mission here locally. We would love for you to uh, step out at the table afterwards and find out how you might be able to support that cause as we come alongside of those fathers and mothers and others who are trying to take care of children with limited resources. We had a great vacation Bible school this week, and uh, you'll hear lots more about it later on in the service, but uh, 100 children were here, and a great staff, and great uh, students and youth who are supporting the effort, and so we're grateful for that, and as I said, you'll hear a lot more about that in a few minutes. We want to keep in our prayers the families of those who uh, will be having memorial services this week, the family of John Gordon, whose service will be at 9.30 uh, on Tuesday morning, Leland Dubosch, whose service will be at uh, 11 o'clock this Tuesday morning, and the family of Siri Delafield, whose service will be on Saturday at 2 p.m. So keep those families in our prayers. We'd like to invite now the middle school students to come forward as they are planning to be commissioned for their great trip up to Cedar Kirk. And Jeff McCauley, who is our youth director, is gonna tell us a little bit about that, uh, that trip and that time that they'll have together. So come on up. and. Right around the circle there, excellent. All right, good morning everyone. Happy Father's Day to you. Uh, we are excited. We are getting ready to take off on our annual Cedar Kirk mission trip for our middle school students. 32 of us will be piling into the two church buses at 2.30 this afternoon to make our way up to Cedar Kirk for the week. A week filled with time spent together growing in our friendships growing in our faith and understanding of who God is and who he calls us to be, and to serve one another and those in the area around north of Tampa. We are excited to be a part of what God is doing here at Church of the Palms, but also beyond in the community and in the world. So thank you so much for your support. Without your financial support through our sponsorship program, through our Without your prayers and without your time devoted to our student ministry, this trip would not happen. These students would not be standing in front of you today about to experience God in a new and exciting way. So we appreciate you. Thank you so much. We are excited, like I said. And if you could just take a few minutes out of your day this week to pray for our students. This is just a sampling. There will be 32 of us that are going today, and every name is in the bulletin for you to pray for by name throughout your week. So if you could just take a few minutes to do that this week, we would greatly appreciate that. So 2013 Cedar Kirk Mission Trip team, we will be spending a little bit of time doing some mission work as well, uh, maybe tearing up some sidewalks, maybe uh, spending some time in community with the people that we're serving as well. Uh, thank you so much for everything. We appreciate you. Give these kids a round of applause, yes. Well, don't go, don't go, don't go. I still have to pray for you. 
You got to hang around for the prayer. <laughs> Let's pray. Lord, we are so grateful for the blessing of your calling in our life. We're grateful that you call each of us. You have begun calling us ever since the days of Adam and Eve and Noah and Abraham and Sarah and Esther. We are thankful, Lord, that you um, place upon the lives of these young students uh, your vision and hope for their lives. We pray, O oh God, that you will bless them on their trip, keep them safe and well, help them to be beacons of light in the world, that through what they do and what they say, they would represent the love and grace of your son, Jesus Christ, and more so that they might encounter Jesus Christ in their own lives as they make themselves available for this time this week. So we pray your blessing upon them, keep them well, and bring them back with great stories to tell about how you are alive and at work in the world. For we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Now you can be seated. And uh, many of you may not know, but my family emigrated uh, to the United States from Norway when I was about 10 years old. So this, um, this particular hymn is one that my brother and I both grew up on, and before that, my, my father. And um, since it is Father's Day, I wanted to share this particular hymn, Mona Osul, that is very close to my heart. Måne och sol skyer och vind och blomster och barn skapte vår Gud himmel och jord allting är hans Herre Vår Gud vill vi tacka, Herre vi tacker dig, Herre vi priser dig, Herre vi synger ditt hellige namn. Jesus Guds son döde på kors för alla, för oss. Lever i dag, ja han är här, ja han är här. Herre vår Gud vill vi tacka, Herre vi tacker dig. Herre vi priser dig, Herre vi synger ditt hellige namn. Tröst, levande, varm och hellig och stark Taler om Gud, bärer oss fram Dag efter dag, Herre vår Gud vill vi tacka Herre vi tackar dig, Herre vi priser dig Herre vi synger 
Would you join me in prayer? Gracious God, we come before you today as a family of faith to praise you, to magnify your name, to declare that you are glorious and powerful and present, our Heavenly Father, here with us on this Father's Day. Lord, we come with grateful hearts for placing us in a family of faith in which all the generations are represented and active and involved. We thank you for our young people stepping out in service, forming relationships with one another and with those in our area. We pray your blessing upon the week that is before them. We thank you for the young people and the children and the adult volunteers who were here on the campus this week leading in Vacation Bible School. The opportunity we'll have to learn more about that. But we ask that uh, you would use some of the seeds that were planted during that time. Seeds of faith that will grow and germinate and bud and flower into a fullness of trust in you for the children who were here this past week. We thank you for being a part of a church family that cares for those in our number who are facing physical or economic or relational challenges, for the loved ones of those who have passed from this life into the next, we ask that you would surround them with your peace and your presence, even as we gather in the coming week to celebrate lives well lived. We thank you for the opportunity we have to serve you, to love you, to share life together in this place known as Church of the Palms. And so continue to give us your vision, continue to give us your strength to be your people as we gather together and as we move about our community and as we cooperate with what you are doing here and all around the world. Unite us in this purpose as we pray the prayer together Jesus taught his followers to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now as we continue our worship, I invite the ushers to come forward to receive the morning tithes and offerings. flows on 
Let us pray. Gracious God, we present these gifts before you as a sign of our love 
for you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as an indication of our intent to cooperate with the work of your Spirit in our midst. Use what we give today to accomplish your purpose so that the name of Jesus may be proclaimed with boldness, grace, compassion, and justice out over the airwaves on television for those who are in this room, for those we come in contact with during the week and what we say and do. We commit it all to your purpose. In the name of Christ we pray, amen. Would you please be seated as the children come forward for a vacation Bible school presentation with Miss Lori and Queen Hallie and the whole Kingdom Rock. Good morning, everybody. If you were not in VBS, we would love to have you come down here and have a seat right in the front row. And you can see it firsthand right here, right down here so you can see if you were not here with us this week. All right, come on in, come on in. Got to move it, move it, move it. We had a phenomenal time this week, you guys. It was so good. You guys need to stand up because you're the presentation. Good morning. I'm Hallie Goodwin, also known as Queen Hallie. And I'm Madison Brion, also known as Sir Wally. And we want to tell you about our week here at Vacation Bible School. We served over 100 kids. 40 middle school and high school students volunteered. 20 adults volunteered their time. One afternoon, our team sewed 34 pillows for a kindergarten class at Emma Booker Elementary. One counselor got slimed. We raised $462 for those four counselors. This theme, or our theme this year, was Kingdom Rock, where kids stand strong for God. So when Sir Wally or I say the first part, I want you all to pose like a superhero and say, stand strong. Are you guys ready? Ready? <laughs> on day one, we learned God's love helps us stand strong. On day two, we learned that family and friends help us stand strong. On day three, we learned prayer helps us stand strong. On day four, we learned that trusting God helps us stand strong. And on day five, we learned the Bible helps us stand strong. So in conclusion, we would like to share with you our theme song for this week. It is called Stand Together.
You may be seated. It is always a joy to have May Elise back to us here in worship at Church of the Palms, one of our homegrown uh, members here who is uh, on her way and has been in New York City and will be performing in a musical up there uh, this summer and will be attending uh, to receive her master's at NYU this coming fall. So we're grateful that you're here, May Elise. Thanks for coming back. Another service note uh, in our last hymn, Take My Life, we will be singing the first four verses as we conclude our worship this morning. Our scripture, as we continue in this sermon series on the gospel according to baseball, is found in Matthew chapter 25, beginning at the 14th verse. Hear the word of God. Jesus speaks and says, for the kingdom of heaven is as if a man going on a journey summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. The one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had the two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. The one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. The one with the two talents also came forward, saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what is yours. But his master replied, you wicked and lazy slave, you knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and on my return I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one with the ten talents, for to all those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance, but from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave, Throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. We are grateful that we live within our Father's world and pray that these words to come will help us to see more of what that world is about 
that we find in your scriptures and in your son, Jesus the Christ, for we pray this in his name, amen. The outlook wasn't brilliant for the Mudville Nine that day. The score stood four to two with but one inning more to play. And then when Cooney died at first and Barrows did the same, a sickly silence fell upon the patrons of the game. A straggling few got up to go in deep despair. The rest clung to that hope which springs eternal in the human breast. They thought if only Casey could get but a whack at that, we'd put up even money now with Casey at the bat. But Flynn preceded Casey, as did also Jimmy Blake, and the former was a Lulu and the latter was a cake. So upon that stricken multitude, grim melancholy sat for there seen but little chance of Casey's getting to the bat. But Flynn let drive a single to the wonderment of all, and Blake, the much despised, tore the cover off the ball. And when the dust had lifted and the men saw what had occurred, there was Jimmy safe at second and Flynn a hugging third. Then from 5,000 throats and more, there rose a lusty yell. It rumbled through the valley, it rattled in the dell. It knocked upon the mountain and recoiled upon the flat, for Casey, mighty Casey, was advancing to the bat. There was ease in Casey's manner as he stepped into his place. There was pride in Casey's bearings and a smile on Casey's face. And when, responding to the cheers, he lightly doffed his hat, no stranger in the crowd could doubt was Casey at the bat. 10,000 eyes were on him as he rubbed his hands with dirt. 5,000 tongues applauded when he wiped them on his shirt. And while the writhing pitcher ground the ball into his hip, defiance gleamed in Casey's eye. A sneer curled Casey's lip. And now the leather-covered sphere came hurling through the air, and Casey stood a-watching it in haughty grandeur there. Close by the sturdy batsman, the ball unheeded sped. That ain't my style, said Casey. Strike one, the umpire said. From the benches, black with people, there went up a muffled roar like the beating of the storm waves on a stern and distant shore. Kill him, kill the umpire, shouted someone on the stand, and it's likely they'd have killed him had not Casey raised his hand. With a smile of Christian charity, great Casey's visage shone. He stilled the rising tumult, he bade the game go on. He signaled to the pitcher and once more the spheroid flew, but Casey still ignored it. And the umpire said, strike two. Fraud, cried the maddened thousands and Echo answered fraud, but one scornful look from Casey and the audience was awed. They saw his face grow stern and cold. They saw his muscles strain. And they knew that Casey wouldn't let the ball go by again. The sneer is gone from Casey's lip. His teeth are clenched in hate. He pounds with cruel violence his bat upon the plate. And now the pitcher holds the ball. And now he lets it go. And now the air is shattered by the force of Casey's blow. Oh, somewhere in this favored land, the sun is shining bright. The band is playing somewhere, and somewhere hearts are light. And somewhere men are laughing, and somewhere children shout. 
but there is no joy in Mudville. Mighty Casey has struck out. If any should doubt the place that baseball holds in American culture, one need only recite the poem by Ernest Thayer to know that the story of baseball is at some level the story of us all. The epic battle between pitcher and batter and umpire and crowd is a mythology written over and over again into each of our lives. This month, Tom Weber reminded me, marks the 125th anniversary of Thayer's poem, which has as its original title, Casey at the Bat, a ballad of the Republic sung in 1888, a ballad of the Republic. Lots can be said about this poem, but I suppose in the end it's a simple story of the chance a batter gets at the plate. In the ninth inning for the Mudville Nine, five batters get their chance at the plate. Five batters get their chance to help their team come back from a two-run deficit, maybe even to win the game. Five batters are each given the chance to swing at at least three pitches, maybe more, and to put the ball in play and to hit them where they ain't and to get themselves on base, or better yet, to clear the bases with a home run. It doesn't matter what pitcher you're facing, David Price, Mariano Rivera, Nolan Ryan, the local Little League Southpaw, the guy on the mound is obligated to present you with three pitches in the strike zone to swing at. And it's your job as the batter to swing. You can pray and hope for a walk. You can pray and hope that that pitcher is a little wild and that four balls will not make their way to the strike zone and you will be given a free pass to first base. That can be your hope. That can be your prayer, but that's not baseball. No player worth their salt plays the game that way, standing at the plate hoping for a walk. In fact, in baseball, if you receive a walk, it is considered a non-event, a not at bat. It puts you on first, but it is a statistical nothing. Knowing baseball, you're supposed to go up and take your licks. When I was a boy, I used to love watching a player named Manny Sanguian, played for the Pirates. I loved to watch him bat because there was not a pitch thrown to Manny Sanguian that he did not like. He was what was called a bad ball hitter. Pitchers didn't have to worry much about getting the ball too close to the plate because Manny was going to swing at anything. He rarely walked. Six seasons, over, and, over 475 plate appearances each season, and Manny Sanguian walked no more than 22 times in any of those seasons. The way to fool Manny Sanguian, said one opposing coach, is to throw a pitch right down the middle. <laughs> he will hit anything but a perfect pitch. But you know, the truth is, life very seldom throws us a perfect pitch. Having said that, I am, though, reminded of the story when Mickey Mantle batted for the last time at Detroit's Tiger Stadium. Denny McLean, who had already run thir won 30 games that season, was pitching, and the Tigers had the game well in hand. McLean got the message to Mantle through his catcher, Jim Price, that he was going to give Mantle a chance to hit a home run in his last at bat at Detroit's Tiger Stadium. He was going to throw him a perfect pitch 
What pitch do you want? The catcher asked Mantle. Mantle told him the pitch he wanted, and that is exactly the pitch McLean gave him, and Mantle hit the ball into the upper deck. The truth is, you and I are not Mickey Mantle, and you and I seldom get a perfect pitch to hit. Life is not that way. Life is filled with curveballs. That's what we say, isn't it? When the unexpected happens, when the unfortunate circumstance arrives, I just got thrown a curveball. I got less than a perfect pitch. Life is not about, though, waiting around for the perfect pitch because likely it will never come. Life is about swinging away. I have to admit that there are enough fiscally conservative bones in my body that when I read the story that Jesus tells in Matthew 25 of the three servants who are given varying amounts of dollars to invest, that's what talents were, currency, dollars, that, that I find to be upon first reading little fault in the one talent servant who decides not to risk like the others do, investing his money out of fear that he might lose it and have nothing to return to the master when he gets back. It's hard for me first at all to understand the anger of the master when he hears of those dollars being buried. Sure, I want to say to myself, it's fine that the other two made a killing in the market, but what would have happened had they lost it all? What would the master have said then? Wouldn't the one talent guy then become the hero of the story? Well done, good and faithful servant. While the market was crashing, you put your money under your mattress. You held the bat on your shoulders and waited for a walk. But of course, that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is to grasp what life is about, and life is not about perfect market conditions. Life is not about a guaranteed bull market. Life is not about the sure bet. Life is not about waiting for the perfect pitch. Life is about swinging away. Try to put your bat on the ball even if the pitch is high and outside. I love that story that Tim McCarver tells about catching for Bob Gibson, the great Cardinal pitcher. At one point in one game, McCarver went trotting out to the mound to chat with Gibson about an upcoming batter, and halfway out to the mound, Gibson yelled to him, turn around, McCarver, and go back. The only thing you know about pitching is that it's hard to hit. <laughs> pitching is hard to hit, and let's face it, Living is hard to live. And when you feel in life like you're standing 60 feet, six inches away from a 100 mile per hour fastballer, the temptation is to keep your bat on your shoulders, to bury your talent in the ground, to hope for a benign walk to first. That's what the master was trying to say to the cowardly servant. Better, he says, all better to go down swinging than to be caught looking. It's the worst sin of batting, to be caught looking, to let a hittable pitch pass you by. Good old Casey struck out because he gave himself really only one chance to swing. He got caught looking at the first two. 
going down swinging is not the worst thing that can happen in the kingdom of baseball and neither in the kingdom of heaven. Reggie Jackson, one of the great home run hitters of all time, struck out five times for every home run he hit and they still called him Mr. October. The truth is we can spend a lot of time in this life debating lots of things debating, you know, about the nature of our existence or about, you know, where we came from and how life was formed. You can talk about creation or evolution. You can talk about who's right and who's wrong on this issue or that issue. But the crux of the matter, the crux of the matter is what are you going to do now that you are up to the plate? For whatever reason, life has you up at the plate and you got three pitches. And what are you going to do with them? You going to talk about it? You going to be philosophical about it? Are you going to swing the bat? Are you going to let your fear of a strikeout keep you from swinging for the fences? In Shakespeare's Measure for Measure, Isabella is pressed upon to intercede for her brother who is unjustly sentenced to execution for a minor crime and she wonders what good she can do against the powers that be. To which comes Lucio's rejoinder, our doubts are traitors and make us lose the good we oft might win by fearing to attempt it's the same message that Queen Esther receives from her brother Mordecai when she's given the chance to intercede with a bloodthirsty king for the people who are at grave risk. Queen Esther is deathly afraid to appeal to her king, to her husband the king, out of fear for her own life. And her brother sends her a message, and this is what he says to her, who knows, perhaps you have come to royal dignity for such a time as this. In other words, queen, it's your time at the plate. Your greatest risk is not to strike out. Your greatest risk is to be caught looking. Our doubts are traitors and make us lose the good we oft might win by fearing to attempt. Maybe that's a part of what Jesus was saying when he said that the one who loses his life is the one who will gain it. That is to say that the one who loses his fear of losing his life is the one who will really get his life. The one who loses his fear of striking out is the one who swings the hardest, and the one who swings the hardest is the one most bound to clear the fence. There's a big world out here to make a difference in, to do justice, to love kindness, to walk humbly were the bases we spoke of last week, to touch. There's a lot of good we can do if we're willing to swing. Not much good we can do with a bat on our shoulders watching the next best reality show on TV. Friends, the best reality show right now is the one with you at the plate right now. 
and the great cloud of witnesses, as it tells us in Hebrews, and the great cloud of witnesses is up in the stands. And they're waiting for Casey at the bat. They're waiting for Larry at the bat. They're waiting for Sally at the bat. They're waiting for Tony at the bat. They're waiting for Ruth at the bat. They're waiting for Mallory at the bat. Each of us gets our pitches. Some are fast, some are curves, some are knuckleballs, some are in the dirt, and some are under our chins. But the great cloud of witnesses is looking to see what we might do with our at-bat. What will it be? Wait, pray, hope for a walk? Or will the air be shattered by the force of our blow? May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you.
now and forevermore. Amen.